Hello, I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I wanted to thank uh, Reed Lackey for being on the show uh, a couple weeks ago. And today, we are going to be talking to another uh, More Than One Lesson contributor, somebody who has not been on the show before, but who has been uh, probably our most prolific writer the last couple of years. It is uh, Bob Connolly. Bob, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing okay. Are you hanging in there throughout the uh, this quarantine and all that? Yeah, yeah, doing okay. Now I don't remember exactly what uh, what you you do for a living. Uh, I work at a, a cardiology clinic. Uh, okay. Records department uh, scheduling. Um, okay. So it's really, more of a business office than an actual uh, clinical setting. So you are you're in the the medical field at least in in a in a way, and so your job has not has not gone away. Uh, no, I, I'm working uh, part time from home, mm-hmm. uh, so kind of week on week off. Um, but, but yeah, that's that's kind of it right now. Okay. Uh, well, thank you so much for for being here. Um, Before we uh, get started, I wanted to remind everybody uh, that my documentary, Real Redemption, The Rise of Christian Cinema, is available uh, at Faith Life TV. And uh, there's a lot of other good stuff uh, on Faith Life. So if you you would need to uh, subscribe to the service in order to watch the documentary. Uh, you do get two, f- uh, two weeks free. But uh, like I said, if, if you're interested in apologetics and such, there's, there's all, co- all kinds of things for you on the service as well. But if you want to cancel uh, after two weeks, hey, go right ahead. At least you watch the documentary. That's the important thing to me. Um, anyway, uh, and then uh, it's not exactly the season, but uh, Bob, you have a, a, a story available on Amazon that is Christmas themed. Yes? Uh, yes. Yeah. That was called uh, Little Sister's First Christmas. So just a little short story that I wrote a few years ago. And it's yeah. based on uh, like my brother and, and niece and nephew that their family. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so if you're looking for something to put you in the Christmas spirit around Christmas, uh, you can check that out. Uh, but in the meantime, let's get to know you a little bit, Bob. What, what's going on? Who, who are you? Where are you from? Uh, I'm in Seattle. I live in, I've lived in Seattle uh, since I was one. Okay. My um, dad was in the, the military, uh, but we, we moved up here and uh, he went to the reserves after that. So uh, we can really move around again, uh, at least not out of uh, the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, the apartment I live in now is only a few blocks from uh, the house that uh, I was living in when I was a little kid. Um, the library my mom just retired from is just down the street, too. Um, so it's, it's a nice area. I like it here. It's kind of North Seattle uh, area. It's, it's, it's not in the heart of the city. It's just kind of a quiet residential area. So it's pretty self-contained, it sounds like, your life. Like uh, the, the library is uh, two blocks this way and home is two blocks that way. 
Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and what, uh, so you mentioned that your dad was in the military. Uh, what, uh, what kind of environment uh, were you raised in spiritually? And then we'll get to movies in a minute. Uh, it was, I mean, I was raised uh, Catholic. Um, mm-hmm. I, mean, I went to actually another place that's very close to here, uh, the church I still go to, Assumption. It was also a elementary school. Oh, okay. I went there kindergarten through second grade before I moved up to a town called uh, Marysville. It's about 30 miles north of here. Um, so I finished second grade. Uh, that was my brother finished eighth grade. So I went kindergarten through eighth, so he got to graduate mm-hmm. at least. And then, uh, and then we started going to school up there. Wow, it's literally called Marysville? Marysville, yeah. Oh, what a wonderful place to go for a Catholic. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. you know. Um, so uh, so you were raised uh, in the faith, and, and you hear about a lot of people who, uh, maybe more, more so even than, than like the, the Protestant uh, path, you hear a lot of people fall, who fall away from the Catholic Church, the, you know, the term lapsed Catholic uh, and all of that. And so um, I was curious to know, like, at what point your faith became like a real part of your life? Uh, probably... Like got more invested in about thirteen, fourteen around okay. there. Yeah. Um, I mean, even as a, but even as a younger kid, it was still important to me. And I, I, I right. just didn't obviously. I, mean, I still remember. I remember uh, my first communion when I was uh, at, at Assumption when I was like, like eight, mm-hmm. uh, second grade. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, it was always it was always there. Just uh, you know just became a more real thing uh, yeah, as a teenager. I, yeah, I think once I was, was a little bit older, a little bit old, old enough to, to kind of understand it a little better. And yeah, I mean, certainly that's the age that, like anybody who is raised in the church, that's usually the age in which they either start rejecting it. And there's nothing wrong with questioning it, obviously, but uh, out of those questions, either the person feels more affirmed or they, or they reject it. Uh, and then uh, it's different for everybody, but yeah, that's not uh, an uncommon thing. So, um, and uh, what about movies? I know you're a movie guy. You enjoy movies along with uh, doomed baseball teams, but we'll get to that in a second. But there's no, uh, no baseball right now to, to be doomed by. So. I know. So this is the this could be the best season you guys have ever had. I, I'm watching so many. Like, I've been working at home. I've had YouTube on all day, so I have lots mm-hmm. of old baseball game stuff. I don't have to like actually look up at too often. So just right. all these, these old VHS uploads. <laughs> yeah, one of the, so. I do not follow uh, baseball. I don't really know who's a winning team and who isn't. But I I grew up with a family that was big into baseball. And so there are teams that I just, over the years, just as a kid, came to associate with, eh, they're not doing great. (laughs) And uh, and then based on your updates, it sounds like uh, the the Orioles, that is your, your team, yes? Yes, yeah. Um, uh, but they, uh, not much has changed since I was a kid. It sounds like well, it, it's, uh, we were, cause I know we, we were born like a month apart. I know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, it was, it was a little too late cause the Orioles were really great from about the mid sixties up through 83 was the last time they won a world series or even went to one. Mm-hmm. And after that, it's been mostly downhill. There a few like good blips, like mid nineties. And then, uh, earlier in this decade, or like, just the previous decade, uh, between like 2012 and 16, they were good, but they mm. didn't, or didn't win the whole thing again. Um, so, out of curiosity, you don't uh, you don't live in Baltimore. 
I, I Cal Ripken was my favorite uh, ball player. Okay. I was I was obsessed with just baseball in general, and I I just knew who everybody was. Uh, a very little kid, and he was just my favorite, so it just it stuck. Okay. I mean, I definitely grew up watching, you know, going to Mariners games around here. Um, and I've, there's a great uh, series on YouTube right now. Uh, a guy, uh, John Boys or Blah, however you say his name, uh, on SB Nation. It's a six-part series about the history of the Seattle Mariners, and it's fascinating. Hmm. If you don't care about the Mariners or baseball, it's, it's so entertaining, especially the first part. The history of the Mariners is so weird. And like I said, just if you give it a watch, like, I think you'll you'll be sucked into it. It's the first four have come out already. It's supposed to be six in total. I am often interested in a lot of things around sports, much more than actual sports. Uh, you know, uh, like I've I I read or I guess rather listened to the the book Moneyball, and I love the the movie. Uh, what was that? Movie's great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's and. I just find that stuff very interesting. And yet, uh, I guess if I had a sport, it'd probably be baseball. I've gone to a number of baseball games. I was raised in sort of a, a baseball loving family. My dad liked everything, but uh, baseball was his, his primary sport. So we went to angels games and then we moved to Colorado, went to Rockies games and all of that. And so since moving back to Los Angeles, Jen and I have gone to some angels and some Dodgers games and, I always enjoy it. I enjoy the, like the atmosphere and all that. Uh, if you were to ask me, like, you know, if, if I were to walk into the, the stadium and someone's like, Hey, you know, team's doing great this year. Huh? I was like, um, uh, maybe. Sure. <laughs> uh, I certainly know that I like all these noises. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, but along with being, a baseball guy being an or not a, sorry an orioles fan not merely a baseball guy that wasn't meant to be a a dig at the orioles as though they're not baseball i mean like you know um you're also a movie guy yeah uh is that something that you were raised with or something you kind of came to on your own i, I kind of came to it i think my me and my brother are always a lot more into movies than other my parents were my my mom enjoys movies but not as as into it as my my brother or i got and uh my dad uh like yeah you kind of almost have to like sit him down and like like make him watch things but yeah. once, once you do he tends to like good stuff he really likes Coen brothers movies and wes anderson stuff so um it just you just have to matter you just have to just get him to, to agree to sit down and watch something yeah yeah it's uh it's such a dad attitude a dad attitude i guess you could say it's i really i mean if, if it's if it's a family thing at all it would probably be from my uncle earl who's a, like a big movie buff and he talks about going to see on the waterfront when it was new when he was a kid mm. like how it's like this transformative experience for him and, um so i mean like if, if it's hereditary at all it's got to be from him because nobody else on either side of my family seems to to be as fit into movies as, as i am were you were you into movies like as a kid uh and uh, then you just got started taking them more seriously as you got older or what i always i always liked them but i mean then i would, would watch there's a lot of stuff i've watched over and over it's the kind of the usual stuff sure. from our age group in our era like you'd want you know watch ghostbusters a lot or who brings mm -hmm. out rabbit or you know, the star wars trilogy indiana jones uh, but I think it was kind of more kind of late high school that I started to really kind of like dig deeper into to discovering other stuff and watching older movies and you know, think like like running Doctor Strange Love for the first time and, and going to see younger going with a couple of friends to see Being John Malkovich the day it came out and yeah. 
and it was just like I didn't even realize when we were going to go that it was only playing at one theater. We had to drive from Marysville to Seattle, thirty miles. Like, oh, it's not playing everywhere. I just you know, so it was just kind of always new to me, and that was why I really started to get like more into things. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, our the the fact that we are essentially the same age does does speak to that because like yeah I saw we were both at like a, a perfect age for being John Malkovich to like be appealing enough yeah. that uh, that like if if I were maybe two years younger it probably wouldn't have even been on my radar no um, but uh, yeah I remember I was I was acting in the Missouri State Show so I wasn't even in my hometown I or I wasn't in Southern Missouri I was in Seattle and so at, it was after rehearsals uh, not Seattle St Louis is what I meant to say pardon me um, and uh, and so a bunch of us after rehearsal were like hey let's go see a movie what do we want to see and I had heard of being John Malkovich and frankly with a title like that you can sell the movie to even your most skeptical friends and so we went to see it and it, it, everyone you know they were theater people and they they mostly enjoyed it but I was like this thing is amazing I love it I remember my reaction to it the first time was I, I loved the first half and the second half I was like I don't think I like the second half quite as much, but it was interesting and it kind of grew on me. Uh, but I, th- I think it's a sort of movie too, because I hadn't, you know, wasn't watching a lot of, not that there's a lot of movies you can compare that one specifically to. Sure. But, um, you know, I hadn't really seen a lot of like, you know, like independent or kind of, kind of you know, offbeat stuff yet. Um, so I, I think I'd maybe seen one or two Cohen Brothers movies at that point. I hadn't seen that many. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of, kind of like, Stepping into a larger world is uh, Obi Wan Kenobi might put it. Um, sure. Uh, well, that that leads to uh, uh, the question, which is, um, you know, you mentioned Ghostbusters. I assume if you were like me, you probably watched a fair amount of Star Wars growing up. Yeah. Over and over again. Did you have yeah. the action figures? Oh yeah, uh, most of them were my brothers that I just inherited. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got older. He's five and a half years older than me, so we weren't playing with the same toys. Right. Same, but. Um, yeah, I think, I think the Ewoks and a couple other things are mine, but everything else is, was mostly from him. And he has, he has like a Millennium Falcon that he got in like 1978 or 79. Wow. Like a, a nice big size Millennium Falcon. Uh, for some reason, the Han Solo, we had three different Han Solos that the heads came off of. We don't know why. Um, the, the heads seem to stay on everybody else, but the Han Solos, we had one from each movie and the head came off. Um, I wow. can't explain that. A weird phenomenon did did you rip the head off no i i i, I don't think i would yeah I, I, that's, the, that's not the sort of thing i would have done as a little kid and i right. like doing it either so i think it was just like just playing with it it just you know they just came off <laughs> yeah i i had a lot of action figures when i was younger and i never understood you know like i watch toy story and i see uh you know the character of sid and his his love of blowing up toys and destroying them mm-hmm. and i was like I don't, I don't understand that. Why would you just destroy this thing that, that you enjoy? I would alter my toys uh, to make them into something else. Okay. Um, like I remember I was tired. It was weird. I was tired of my Lex Luthor action figure. And then I had an old penguin action figure and I wanted, and at the time there was no Kingpin from spider-man so i cut the head off of lex luther and the head off of penguin and i put you know so now so now i've got this bald head on this fat body i'm like okay good enough all right 
So many for your how many Riddler toys did you have? I know that's your thing. Um, it's it is my thing uh, now, and I like the character quite a bit. Like when I was uh, action figure collecting age. Uh, um, Anytime there was like a new Riddler, I would I would buy it. But that's because I was playing with other Batman figures as well. Um, but Riddler was one that I always wanted to make sure I, I had. So uh, little did I know just how insane my collection would get. Um, and, of, and I got rid of all of them once I moved past, you know, collecting toys. And uh, yeah, so my Riddler collection, I had to, it felt so wrong because it's like I had to rebuy my Batman the Animated Series Riddler. And it's like, oh, what a waste of money from 20 plus years ago. So anyway. Uh, okay, so you, you grew up watching Star Wars. Did you have a favorite of the three? Uh, I mean, I think probably from the time I was about nine or ten, I was probably Empire. Uh, okay. When I was really little. It probably would have been Return of the Jedi. That was the first. That was, the Jedi was the first VHS tape I got. We got our first VCR in Christmas of 1987. Mm. We got Return of the Jedi. Mike got uh, Top Gun because he, he loved Top Gun. Sure. And uh, parents they also got uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Those were like the three movies we started off with. Uh, <laughs> it, it grew. So they they probably were were watched quite a bit when you've when you've only got three. Uh yeah, at least initially yeah. And then like we started to yeah. I remember I got Ghostbusters uh, for my birthday a few months after that. Uh, the collection just sort of grew from there. Yeah and uh, yeah, Return of the Jedi was definitely the film that I watched a lot when I was a kid um, of the Star Wars movies, and I think because like. I mean, it was all Jabba's palace. Like that was the part that was like the most creative and the most uh, exotic and all that. And then I would always be less interested after they got done with that. So like there would be times when I would just like throw in my VHS copy and just watch that. And then once they got off the planet, I was like, okay, I'm good. Right. <laughs> I, I saw the rancor. I saw the Sarlacc pit. I'm I'm fine. It, it makes a perfectly good short film on its own. If you cut it off and then they fly out of there. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it could be essentially its own episode of like the Mandalorian in its own yeah, way. Really um, <laughs> have you been? Have you been? Uh, do you have Disney Plus? Have you been watching the Mandalorian? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I like the Mandalorian. Uh, I enjoyed that. Um, it's definitely the best Star Wars thing I think in, in a while. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's right. I I, I sometimes forget uh, that like I believe you you reviewed it for uh, for more than one lesson. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did one about halfway through the season. I did one at the end of it. Um, yeah, yeah. I've only seen I think three episodes of it, and it really is just like they get the tone right, they get the look right, yeah. and it 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 is just because it's a TV show and it's episodic. They just feel like there's not so much pressure to like try to shoehorn everything in, whereas like these new movies. Right. It just feels like that. Have you been, have you been, what's your take on the new movies? Uh, it's, it's a big, I think what's, what's funny is it's like the last Jedi is the one that everybody talks about the most still, even with the Rise of Skywalker more recently coming out. And what's funny to me about the last Jedi, it seems like the movie people either think is the worst thing that all we happen to Star Wars, but to movies, or they mm-hmm. think it's an absolute masterpiece. And I, I just always look at it like, it's such a messy but interesting movie that that I think has a lot of interesting ideas and some of the execution works and some of it does not. Yeah. And the ideas don't really work. It just it's it's a big 
I remember even like just opening night thinking it was a big clunky mess, but I still kind of liked it. But as it was kind of as watching it again and kind of thinking about it more, it's like it, it's I like it a lot less, but I also don't hate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, so I, I don't really end up discussing it with a lot of people because you can't make anyone happy when you don't completely agree with them about the last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh... I definitely like the movie, but I certainly don't think it's perfect. Um, I, I, I think I just find that I prefer an interesting mess, uh, to, to use your term, as opposed to a very neat but soulless kind of movie, which is what Rise of Skywalker felt like well, to right, me. Rise of Skywalker to me is messy in entirely different ways, where it's, it's trying to do so much and cram so much into... And it's 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 a sort of thing where I, I, the whole time I'm just it's like this whole mentality it seems like of J.J. Abrams of like don't think about it just go just go keep going yeah they gotta get to the next scene get to the next thing yeah and it's it's yeah so it's just like a more fast paced mess um, I mean I I guess I I would prefer the Last Jedi because it, like I said it has some more interesting ideas in it uh, even if they don't entirely work whereas the Rise of Skywalker is just a big explosion of stuff. Yeah. It really is just a series of tying up loose ends, which uh, could, if done right, be narratively satisfying, but it certainly creates uh, a very impersonal pace. Well, it introduces so many things out of nowhere, too, when it's also yeah. trying to tie these loose ends. It's, you're just like, why are you doing this? You, 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 got, you got so much ground to cover in so little time, and you're shoving in even more things. And just the, that whole thing of, like, like reintroducing Palpatine so casually, it feels like. Yeah, and and, and waiting for a, a novelization a few months later to actually explain it. It's, this has become the go-to method of, of modern Star Wars. To, well, we want to explain things in the movie. We'll, we'll put it in the book later. It's fine. Yeah, uh, and you know, hey, mixed media is a fun concept, but at the same time, like, yeah, I feel like a movie should be able to at least hold its own. Like, you shouldn't need uh, an additional book to make something satisfying no or or even okay or just for it to make sense <laughs> yeah yeah but uh although i did enjoy I, I did still kind of enjoy what they do with palpatine i'm a big sucker for like anytime a person is connected to like a big machine and that thing moves them around uh i don't know why but it's, it pushes one of my sci-fi uh, pleasure buttons okay uh, I mean, I, I enjoy Ian McDermott as is, healthy is because he just hams it up so much. Oh, yeah. He's, just, he's having a good time. He's fun to watch. I mean, he, he doesn't belong in that movie anywhere. It doesn't make no. any sense. He's, he's entertaining, which is, is something, I guess, uh, for, for, for that movie. Yeah, and it is, it is a shame that there was so much negative reaction to Last Jedi because without that, I think that Abrams and the and, – and, uh, Disney would not have felt such a such an obligation to undo so many things, and they could have just moved forward with whatever Ryan Johnson had done, adding their own stuff, and just keep going. But instead, they have to un they they have to undo everything, and I feel like that wound up taking a lot of time. Well, I, I think the whole trilogy was reactionary, where the Force Awakens was a reaction to what we all hated about the prequels, and then yeah. Christ, the Last Jedi was kind of a reaction to Force Awakens of the like, we got to subvert your expectations and they yeah. a little too much, and then Rise of Skywalker was all about reacting to the Last Jedi. It's, it's yeah. what happens when you don't plan. I mean, 
you look at, at Marvel, how they were been able to plan out this this whole uh, this whole series over the course of a decade, and it works. Where yeah. you, you had you had three movies you needed to make work. It's, I mean, how how could they not have planned something out that was coherent from the beginning? Yeah, it makes me realize that I think that the purest of the films is probably Rogue One, because with Solo, obviously they they're they're reimagining uh, a beloved character uh, as like a younger guy. And so just the way they incorporate so much stuff and everything feels so reference heavy, whereas Rogue One, they still incorporate way too much. Yeah, uh, to me was more obnoxious with that than Solo. I mean, maybe because Solo, I was expecting it more. Mm-hmm. And Rogue One, it was just like, my, like the, the, the you'll be dead guy showing up. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that I think because solo has more of a playful tone, yeah. uh, like the references don't stick out quite so clunkily. Whereas like rogue one is, is has sort of a somber uh, aspect to it. And so in the midst of this war movie to be like, Hey, remember this guy? He's like, well, what, yeah. what are you, what are you doing here? This guy, this guy just, this character we loved uh, or that we like uh, just died. Uh, why am I, why are you directing my attention toward this, this minor character from another movie. Yeah, I mean, I think Rogue One, I mean, the only character really has any personality is the droid. Um, I mean, it's yeah. kind of a little bit, but I mean, uh, I mean, I really like Felicity Jones as an actress, but Jyn Erso is, is a dull character. There's nothing to her. I, I don't really care for uh, Diego Luna's character either. He's kind of boring to me. I like the, uh, the sort of the Jedi priest and his warrior friend. Like, they're... Yeah. Of course, totally archetypes, but I do enjoy them. I mean, well, as, as like side characters, they they work. I think you have yeah. I think you have kind of too many side characters in that movie, though. Yeah. Um, and are they still moving forward with the uh, with Diego Luna? Like his character is going to like have his own show or something like that? I guess so. I mean, I I I don't, I don't really care that much about what any of the. I, I mean, I'm enjoying the Mandalorian, but I mean, as far yeah. as you know, these other series, I, they're going to do what they're going to do. I don't really. I'm, yeah not really that uh invested in that yeah it's like i've seen did i yeah i think i went to critic screenings of of all of the movies except force awakens uh because it's just like eh, i don't want to have to pay to see them and uh this is a it's part of the larger conversation and so i'll just do that but yeah at the same time and same with like Every like every Marvel movie that I could uh, logistically go and see at a critic screening, I, I did. Um, but it wasn't necessarily. I do know some people that will see anything simply because by their own admission, simply because of hype, uh, because they don't want to be the one person that hasn't seen it. And it's just like uh, I don't know if it's that, but I definitely do recognize that there is a larger conversation happening in the culture and certainly amongst critic circles. And so like being able to just be a part of that conversation and have your own voice within it is something that appeals to me. So I guess that's the critical version of just being like, well, it's really hyped. So I guess I should see it. Well, I mean, as far, I mean, the, the, all the recent Star Wars movies, I have, I have a group of friends I've been going uh, since the, uh, the second Hobbit movies when we kind of all started going uh, to the opening nights of things. Mm -hmm. And it's like a group of of like uh, eight of us, nine of us. And, uh, 
we, we uh, and we've gone to most of the MCU movies since that time with all the, the Star Wars ones. I know with the uh, Rise of Skywalker, for not not for everybody, but for for most of us by that point, it was kind of like it's like okay, it's it's going to be fun to go with with uh, you know all our friends. But I, I mean, at least for me, and I know for, for one other guy for sure, we just kind of like we were kind of over the the movies a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, whereas it was it was funny because we went to I remember going to the opening night showing of Endgame. It was like a seven o'clock showing. Yeah. The, the audience, I mean, the audience was so into it. I don't, I can't think of a, a new movie where like opening night where I, I've been an audience that was that excited, like they were, was yeah. reacting so well to everything. And then we're going the, the contrast, you know, in the you know, months later, you know, an opening night of, of Rise of Skywalker, same time even, same theater, and it was just dead silence, like basically through the entire movie. Yeah, uh, I mean. Yeah, I went. I did go to the critic screening of uh, *Rides of Skywalker*, and what was interesting is that in a situation like that, it's critics and a plus one. Uh-huh. So you get like half the theater excited about things because they're just so excited to be seeing this movie early. Uh, they're seeing it at the El Capitan Theater in, in Los Angeles, which is like a Disney-owned theater, and just like everything about. For, were I in their situation, if I were a plus one and not the critic, I would be, I, I'd be very um, kind to the movie just in my own reactions because of the the experience. Uh-huh. But uh, and as and I've been tricked sometimes. Like I, I went to see The Lion King in that same situation, and the audience really seemed to be into it, and I was like, I hate this. Uh-huh. I'm like, am I just what? Am I just an old cynic? Like, people really seem to be responding to this. Then the critics' reviews came out, and I was like, okay, so no, it was just the plus ones being really excited about Lion King references. Wow. Uh, it turns out the rest of us don't care for it, but every once in a while, it does trick me. Wow. Uh, that level of enthusiasm, because yeah, there was a lot of it for uh, for Rise of Skywalker, um, and uh, and I thought like. I'm not really, I don't hate this, but I don't really like it that much. Everyone else seems to be really invested and uh, I don't see why. So. Yeah, I guess like, so I remember going to Endgame and uh, I mean, there's this, there's so many, you know, when Captain America catches Thor's hammer, when the, the portal oh, of course. Started, you know, people just went insane. Yeah. And then you have like a, the kind of comparable, the almost too comparable moment in, in Rise of Skywalker where uh, where it looks like you know we're, we're Pope says, oh we 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 can't we can't win and then you hear Lando coming in. Over yeah. There. Nothing. We I don't know. I mean, it sounds like your theater was different, but mine was just nobody. I couldn't hear any noise from anybody. Yeah, I I think. Uh... That moment, I don't remember there being like a big thing, but honestly, when it came to uh, like Kylo Ren and and um, and Ray like working together, uh-huh. that that seemed to be what the what the theater was responsive to, which is somewhat yeah. understandable because those two characters I think are very strong and the performances yeah. are good. That's, that's the best stuff in that movie, really, is the stuff between the two of them. Uh, yeah, and a lot of I think probably through the whole trilogy, a lot of that is, and I think that's just because uh, you know. Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley do a lot with characters who aren't written necessarily that great. Yeah. Uh, or gotten really written consistently either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, we wound up just talking about Star Wars the, uh, this whole time. So we're going we're gonna to scale it back a little bit. Uh, <laughs> what, are, what are some of your uh, favorite films? 
Uh, I mean, I just, uh, I mean, I now mentioned Ghostbusters earlier, uh, Indiana Jones, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Last Crusade, especially. Uh, I'm up there. Uh, I really love Network. Uh, HUD. HUD is on, uh, I know it's on, on, on uh, Prime and Hulu right now. It's a really great movie. Um, I've actually I've actually never seen HUD. Oh, it's great! Yeah. Sure. What is it? What is it about? Uh, it is about uh, uh, Paul Newman. It's it's was made in 1963. It's on this really uh, beautiful black and white cinematography, um, and it's 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 set in the then present. And Paul Newman is just he's this guy who works on he's a farmhand who works for his dad, played by Melvin Douglas, uh, who won Best Supporting Actor for for the movie. Um, and it's just this, this struggle uh, kind of for the soul of, uh, of Hud's nephew. Uh, Hud's, Hud's brother died. So um, Hud and uh, Melvin Douglas are kind of raising uh, uh, Brandon DeWilda when he was about 19 or 20, uh, playing a, a teenager. And uh, Patricia Neal is in it. She's really great. She won the Best Supporting Actress for it. Uh, got, it won, got a bunch of Oscar nominations, came at uh, 63. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a really excellent movie. And uh, Paul Newman's character is completely despicable. Uh, mm. It's really horrible to, to everyone uh, in his family, and, and really to everyone in general. Uh, but it's, it's such a fascinating movie, and it's uh, it's yeah, it's such a kind of a stark. Anything about like kind of the, the dying West for some reason is really interesting to me. Like Hell or High mm. Water was another movie. Uh, yeah, that was was like that. Um, uh, even I guess even something like Bad Day at Black Rock, you kind of say is, has a little bit of that. Um, yeah, and the I mean I think a lot of a lot of like the for lack of a better term revisionist westerns started to take on like what what happened what happens to this era when cars show up? What happens to this era at the turn of the century? You know, and so like a movie like The Wild Bunch, for example, is a film oh, yeah. that I that I adore, and it very much along with in one on one hand being sort of a, a depiction of uh of maybe what the re- what the west was actually like and who these wow. people actually were which is you know to go back to the word despicable um <laughs> but it also is just like yeah and and this time is dying literally it's just it's a this lifestyle is rooted so much in its era that it it can't really last i mean there are people that yeah. consider themselves cowboys now but it's like yes but it doesn't mean the same thing no, no. Yeah. The the Western genre goes away with civilization. Yeah, and, and yeah, and even you know, like I said, you know, sixty three, and it was just about how like this this little town in Texas where you know, just, yeah, there's this uh, this farm that they're just they're just hanging on this yeah. cattle ranch, um, and they're just, just barely hanging on to, to life there. So with this character, and this is something that I'm I'm. but uh you know this is a movie where our main character as you say is just a not a good guy and someone that we're not really rooting for and so what is the what to you is it and i'm sort of asking objectively i i like plenty of movies where the main character is not likable but um but what is the what is the hook like what what makes you love it so much when the main character is not someone you can be on board with. Well, I think the, I mean, the big hook, like I said, it's a movie really about kind of the struggle between kind of his, his worldview and his father's worldview and them kind of trying to influence uh, Brandon Wilder's character. Mm-hmm. And that's just really interesting to me. And it's, it's, and I, I yeah, I just like this, the setting of it is, it, 
you, you just feel like you're just, just brought into this this world and you're right there with them. Hmm. Um, and like I said, I just, it's just very interesting to me, uh, the, the story that, that, is, that they're telling. Well, I guess I'll have to watch it now. Yeah, I say it's both on yeah, Prime and, and Hulu. Um, I, yeah, I'm watching obviously a, a ton of stuff like anybody else. I was watching uh, recently on Prime. I was watching uh, The Return of the Living Dead again, which is a, is a lot of fun. It's a, a very funny uh, horror comedy from the 80s. And this, this, the, pre- the premise, is, have you ever seen it? Uh, I actually, well, I mean, I saw it when I was a, a very little kid uh, and undoubtedly too young to get oh, what it wow. is doing. Yeah, um, yeah no, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's was made in the 80s and it's just uh, it even sets up as uh, as though night of the living dead is supposed to be based on a true story but the facts were changed yeah. and all of the bodies are, are uh, were accidentally shipped to this warehouse uh in, in this little town again a little town in texas um and uh you know, an accident happens and uh and zombies break out and it's it's fun because it's, it's uh it it doesn't adhere to necessarily the kind of romero rules of, of zombies um, you know, they, they can formulate plans. They can talk a little bit. They, they, they don't run around in like superhuman speed. They're not like the Zack Snyder zombies, but they can yeah. run around a bit. And they're always kind of, kind of weird and interesting looking and kind of gross. And they all, they all have, uh, they're all distinct looking. Um, so, but it's, it's a very clever script. It's really funny. Um, the, the cast is all really great in it. Um, yes, I enjoy that movie a lot. Um, I, I was watching, I, I, last weekend, I was basically watching just a bunch of action movies. Uh, I, I really enjoy, even, even kind of schlocky action movies can be fun uh, to me, but uh, I, I just really enjoy a, a good action film. I, 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 uh, I, love, uh, I if you see, I'm wearing an OCP t-shirt. Uh, yeah, yeah. Products, uh, the, the company from RoboCop, because RoboCop is, is I, I think that's one of the greatest movies ever makes. It's, it's a... It's it's a great action movie. It's great sci-fi, and it's amazing satire. Yeah, any movie that can do all of those things at once that well is is pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, I love that. I, I my brother and I often refer to Commando as the greatest movie ever made because uh, it's because it's, it's everything you want in a big dumb action movie, and nothing that you don't. I mean, it's it's ninety minutes, I think exactly. Yeah, and it's just it it has got lots of great. Arnie puns. Uh, just it's it's this big dumb. Actually, it doesn't get bogged down with unnecessary backstory. It doesn't try to force an emotional element that's not going to work anyway. Um, which I was, I was funny because I was watching uh, uh, Hobbs and Shaw a few weeks ago. So we were with some with some friends in uh, quarantine style, where we all just hit play at the same time and we're sure. eyeing each other from the movie. And that's a, a fun, big, dumb action movie, but it, it does kind of introduce elements that it doesn't need, and it gets a little too bloated. It gets, gets like two hours and 15 minutes. I, I really enjoy it. I mean, it's, it's like a, a dumb action movie where, like, where the action is, is well executed. Um, but it's, you know, like, to me, Commando is just perfect because, it's, it, like I said, it has none of the things that, that you don't need. Uh, it's just this, it's, and it's just kind of so perfectly of its moments where it, it's... It's like it's self-aware to a point, but not entirely. So it's a, yeah. so it would be funny in 1985 to its audiences, but now it's like it's got a, kind of an element that you only really get, I guess, with time. It's it's a film that I would describe as like pure cinema, where it knows exactly what it it needs to do. And like you said, don't get me wrong, the the action movies I tend to like the most are the ones that do have sort of a. a 
moments of vulnerability and, and all that, and maybe have moments of satire, oh, whatever it is. Those are the ones I tend to like the most. But there's going to be movies where that where you can pull that off, like something like Die Hard, where you have sure. you can make that work. Whereas Commando, just just leave it alone. It's it's not going to help anything. Yeah, if if you're looking to emote, you have cast the wrong lead actor yeah. uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, and while I think that something like Predator is a better movie, like objectively, yeah. Yeah. Um, there is just something about like looking at a at a genre or or I guess action isn't really a genre, but uh, whatever you want to say, um, and just boiling it down to its essence, you yeah. know. Uh, in a way, I kind of feel like that's what Halloween is. Um, Halloween is not a very deep movie, yeah. but it just boils it down to there is this thing that is pure evil and just wants to kill somewhat indiscriminately, and that's it. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I, I've come to really appreciate that over time. Like, Commando is maybe the purest action movie I've ever seen. It, yeah, it's it's just it's just delightful. I mean, you let off some steam, Bennett. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I I go back and put my fa- for the favorite like sort of like post kill one liner in, in an action movie. It, it, it's that and uh, Lethal Weapon Two, my beloved Lethal Weapon Two, when uh, the when the evil the bad guy is is, is you know, taunting Danny Glover, diplomatic immunity, and then Danny Glover shoots him and says, has just been revoked. And it's, it's just like, yeah, go get him, Danny Glover. <laughs> I, I, I really, I, I love, something about buddy cop movies, I just, I eat them up. I mean, there, there are a lot of bad ones, obviously. Um, actually, just last weekend, because we were talking about uh, Arnie, I, I watched uh, Red Heat. I had somehow never seen Red Heat. Oh, yeah. A buddy cop movie where he's, he's a Soviet police officer who comes to Chicago. It's not very good. Um, I think a lot of that is, is uh, and so, you know, Walter Hill is like a pretty solid director. They, they, you know, mm-hmm. The Driver and, and 48 Hours, but it just doesn't entirely work. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, like it's, it, I think a lot of it is, is Jim Belushi is just kind of annoying more than he's funny. And I, and I was imagining, like, this is 1988, it's Chicago, and I'm like, I'm, I'm imagining an alternate universe where they cast Bill Murray in that part, and he was just able to just <laughs> do his Bill Murray thing where he just kind of ignores the script. Yeah how much fun that would have been to have 1988 Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bill Murray in a buddy cop movie, just bantering, um, you know, and then, and then blowing things up. Um, and that's, I don't, I don't dislike Jim Belushi as much as, as some people. I feel like he has been good in certain things. Like he was in, uh, about last night, which is, uh, adapted from a David Mamet play and he's surprisingly good with that mammoth dialogue and he really understands how to play that character. Um, but it is more of a supporting character. And I think that like, yeah, if you, if you put the, the weight of a movie on his shoulders, it's probably not going to work out super great. Um, but if he is free to just be a supporting character and he doesn't have to worry about carrying the, the themes of the film, uh, then I think he does quite well. But um, there was a movie, and so here's here's an instance where, like, okay, we're the same age, and, and wow. maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't, but uh, there was a movie in the 80s called Mr. Destiny, um, starring oh, wow. Jim Belushi, uh, a young Rene Russo, and Michael Caine. Okay. Um, and in it, uh, Belushi works as just kind of this, he's just this working class schlub, and... He's married to Linda Hamilton and 
he's just not really happy with his life. And he, he thinks back to like this moment in high school when uh, he was on the baseball team and it was like the big game and he struck out and he just says like, if I like he can, in his mind, he can trace like how losing that game led to the life that he's living now. And so he's like, if I just, if I had just hit that ball, uh-huh. everything would have been different. Then Michael Caine shows up as this magical character who makes it so that he did hit that ball. So now he's living this completely alternate life, uh, but he still remembers what things were. And sure enough, even though his new life, he's, he's rich, he's married to a, a different woman and all that. Uh, but all he can think about is, is his other life, you know, is his home and all that. So it's not that good of a movie, but uh, I seem to recall Jim Belushi working pretty well. He is the lead in that, oh. um, but he's also getting really solid support from yeah, Michael Caine and yeah. Linda Hamilton and, and all these people. Well, I'm always interested when, when you say Michael Caine, not that every movie he's, I mean, he's, he's Michael Caine. He just, he shows up in things. I mean, yeah. I have a story about uh Jaws of revenge where he, somebody asked him about it once and he said he'd never seen the movie, but he'd seen the house that it bought him and it was wonderful. So yeah. And I remember he won a golden globe for the movie, uh, little voice, mm-hmm. which is a very good movie. And, um, and he, I don't think he was expecting to, to win. Uh, and he goes up and he was talking about like, this is in like 98. And he's like, you know, he goes, I've worked a long time and I've made a lot of crap. <laughs> and, and that's the thing is, you know, when you're an actor, Certainly you have to do your best in the movie and then afterwards you have to try and sell the movie. But, you know, after the initial uh, publicity campaign, say what you want. Like, and, you know, if a director makes a lot of bad movies after a certain point, they're a a bad director. But if an actor is in a lot of bad movies and it's just like, on one hand, you could see that like, you could think, think, well, they don't really have good taste. On the other, it's like, hey, everyone's got to pay the bills and, uh, we've all taken jobs we don't like. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, so it sounds like you've been doing a lot of rewatches lately. Are there any Uh, movies that that you've been watching that you've seen like for the first time, new or, or older? I was actually, I was going to say, yeah, like last weekend I watched 10 movies and there was only one I had seen before. And I was a hard boy. It was the the John movie. I haven't watched that in ages, but I Mm -hmm. I watched that again. And I watched like nine other movies I had never seen. Uh, there was one I, I had a lot of fun with. It was called uh, Crime Story. It was a Jackie Chan movie. From okay. The- that was actually a pretty good, solid movie. Like, there, there were some that were kind of, like, schlocky fun but, uh, that I was watching. But that, that one was, I think, genuinely pretty good. Um, but again, a good, uh, good, good story. The action, obviously, was, was really good. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, I, watched, uh, I watched Maniac Cop, which is not nearly as entertaining as the title would suggest. Sure. I was, I was excited. I was like, Bruce Campbell, and it's called Maniac Cup, and it's just, it's just kind of boring. Hmm. I was, uh, it was a late 80s uh, movie. Robert Zadar. Uh, but it's... it's being, being a fan of Red Letter Media, I, okay. I, I know who Robert Zadar is. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I, I love them. I, I watch... Yeah, that's honestly like when I've been uh, working at home, I, I switch back and forth between the old Red Letter Media videos and old baseball games. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just sort of just nice to have on, um, but yeah, I, I always really enjoy their stuff. Um, yeah, they've they've uh, because for the most part, as I got older, 
I just, I, I enjoyed like a bad movie night with my friends as much as anybody else. But then uh, I forget who it was. I think it was a Chicago film critic who was saying that like he, he aged out of bad movie night because when you get older, you realize like, wow, you, there's only so many hours in a day. And if I'm going to choose between watching a bad movie, granted it's about bonding with your friends, but if I'm going to choose to watch a bad movie or a good movie, I, I'm going to pick the good movie, you know? And, uh, and so the, but the red letter media guys still allow me to kind of by proxy enjoy, oh, yeah. enjoy that. I, I, I've watched some of the things that they've watched just cause I was so curious. Like I watched Miami connection just because have you watched it? No. Bananas. And I, I was so entertained. It's like, it, it's completely inept in every way that a movie can be inept. But I think that's, but it's so kind of pure in that it, that nobody realizes that it's a bunch of people had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. And I think there's something about the way that like it's, it's shot. They were able to actually, cause YK Kim, who was the star of it, was very popular in the Orlando area. Even though it's called Miami Connection, almost the entire movie is set in Orlando. Um, close, close enough. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all Florida, but uh, yeah, they they uh, he was able to get streets shut down at, at night so they could shoot. So there's a lot of location shooting. It's not like I, mean, I think a lot of bad movies now are like like sort of like so I guess something like uh, when people talk about the room. I mean, the room is shot on these weird sets that are obviously sets where you know Miami Connection. It's, they're going out in the real world and shooting this thing. Yeah. There's something about that that's kind of just, yeah. It's, and like I said, it's, it's very, very funny. Um, you know, obviously unintentionally, but it's 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 a crazy movie. But it's it's uh, yeah, like I said, it's it's a lot of fun if you want to watch a, a schlocky, terrible, terrible movie and actually have some fun with it. Because I think I think it used to be like like the your, uh, like the critic was saying was that that used to be kind of more my mentality when I was younger. And as I think as I've gotten a little bit older, I can enjoy uh, bad movies a little bit more. Hmm. I, I think I, I think part of it. I, I think I just you know I, I watched. I think it was a, a thing where you kind of you want to watch as many of these great movies as you can. Yeah, There's always going to be more things to discover. As I've gotten always like more and more. I'm realizing like how many things that I haven't seen. And I'm trying to, but it's it's something where you know you want to watch different things and and you know like i can think well i can watch this this great movie that i love for like the seventh time or i can watch something that i've never seen before take a chance on it maybe it's terrible but i can all have seen something new um yeah i think even from the just the worst movies you can still sort of learn something oh yeah um and you know obviously a lot of a lot of critics are are disdainful of schlock and understandably so but at the same time like there can still be tremendous craft uh that goes into it uh and and occasionally like a really good performance i mean when it comes right down to it if you look at a lot of uh like film noir from the 40s and 50s i mean there was so much of it we we have only seen a fraction of it same with westerns yeah you know uh and they were made cheaply, usually. Uh, there are some prestige ones, but they were mostly made cheaply and quickly. They were B-level movies that often adhered to a very specific formula, but that, and I imagine a lot of critics dismissed them. In fact, I know that in the U.S., a lot of critics, uh, a lot of critics did dismiss them, and it wasn't really seen as 
a, a real legit film genre until after the war. And then fen- French critics started to see them and notice the, the similarity from one to the next. Uh, whereas these were just seen as like cheap B crime pictures uh, by a lot of critics. And so I do think that, and meanwhile, you know, we go back and we look at even the cheapest and uh, messiest film noir. And we think like, man, what a fascinating movie. And so I do think that, that to dismiss any movie simply because of the kind of movie it is, is a mistake because you can still yeah. be engaged. You can still learn something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, well, I I'm not really, cause I, I think of, uh, like, I was talking about like certain kind of specific, you know, genres or subgenres that I enjoy. And I think in the, in the end, I mean, I, I feel like a good, if you're, if you're telling a good story well, and the characters are interesting, whether I like those characters or not, as long as they're engaging and I'm interested, like, I'll watch it and I'll probably enjoy it. I mean, it doesn't really matter, you know, what kind of what, what age or, or even you know, gender is aimed at or what, you know, genre it, it may fall into. Just, I just like a good, a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that sounds like a good place to end. I just like a good movie. Um, so yeah, listeners, you can find uh, Bob's stuff uh, at morethanonelesson.com. He recently reviewed uh, Man Camp and uh, Guns Akimbo and Emma <laughs> and uh, um, uh, VFW, right? Yes, yeah. So one thing that I like about the stuff that you've covered on the site, like it varies as much as like, oh, uh, you talked about the first episode of The Chosen, which is like a Jesus uh, show. And then you did Call of the Wild and then you did Guns Akimbo. Like it's uh, clearly you're you're open to reviewing it. And then here's a 1917 review. It really runs the gamut, which I appreciate. Uh, But yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of reviews on um, morethanonelesson.com. So uh, I would encourage listeners to go through and and read uh, some of those. In the meantime, we've got some recommendations here. We've got Commando and HUD, Return of the Living Dead and Miami Connection. So, you know, uh, so people, if if you're looking for something to watch during the the quarantine, uh, Bob absolutely recommends uh, undeniably, unequivocally, Miami connection. It is, yeah. I mean, I I can't say it's the greatest movie ever made, Commando, <laughs> but uh, sure. yeah, Miami Connection is uh, it's it's the Citizen Kane of movies called Miami Connection. Sure, sure, and even just barely that. Yeah, um, it, it just makes it over that finish line. That's, in your opinion, what is the worst movie ever made? Oh, um, or the you know obviously the worst movie you've ever seen. Oh boy, I mean, well. It, Oh, I'm sorry. That's tough. I used to, I, I, I was on the spot. I'm not sure. Sorry about that. No, 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 no. It's a good, it's a really good question, but yeah, I got, I don't know if I could think about that, but so, I wasn't intending I, to, to, no, to ask I, it. I, I think worst, I would probably think what would make me the most miserable and bored as opposed mm-hmm. to that topic. Cause I mean, something like Miami connection is of course terrible, but at least it's, it's fun to watch. Yeah. So I hate the experience. Um, but yeah, it would probably have to be something that I just, I remember seeing Dude, Where's My Car, like, when it came out 20 years ago and, and hating every second of it. Hmm. I, I, I'm sure that I, I've definitely seen worse things, I'm sure. But was, yeah, yeah. Because I was trying to figure out, like, on the scale of blank to commando, like, where does, where does a movie fall? Uh, and, uh, but we got to find the, we got to find the floor. 
I like this thing. Mando is, is the ceiling. That, that seems appropriate. Sure, <laughs> sure, absolutely. Uh, just to give people an idea of, of exactly what they're reading when they read your reviews. It's just like, oh, here's a review of uh, Jojo Rabbit. Here's one of Ford v. Ferrari. And, uh, you know, this is the guy that really uh, loves Commando. So uh, maybe I'll take his, uh, his lighthouse review with, uh, with a grain of salt. Well, I, I, I do love the, yeah, I do love the lighthouse. And uh, it's, you know, I, I, I appreciate, yeah, lots of, like, if you ask me why I think it was the best movie I've ever seen, I'd probably say Lawrence of Arabia. It's a great movie, and I love that. And I know, so, yeah, it's I, hard to beat. Yeah, and I've got, yeah, HUD is, is a, a genuinely great movie, uh, Network. Uh, I watched uh, uh, Key Largo again recently. That's a really mm-hmm. great movie. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I love all sorts of stuff just on their own merits. I guess when I when I say Commando is the greatest movie ever made, it's just yeah, you know, you have to just take that for for uh, kind of I guess half joke that it is. Yeah, it's it's obviously uh, tongue in cheek and. Uh, we all have those movies that we grew up watching and you revisit and you're like, you know what, maybe this isn't really what I thought it was. Uh, I mean, I watched hook so much, uh, because I was a sucker because I liked Peter Pan in general. And so I saw hook, I saw it in the theater and then I got it for, uh, as a present for something. And I, so I watched it over and over. I revisit it. And aside from, you know, a really fun performance by like Dustin Hoffman and Bob Hoskins and stuff, it's like, this movie is not very good. Um, you've never seen hook. And you know what? Here's the thing on one hand, part of me is like, Oh, you should, what was that? He sold me on it so well and everything. Well, that's the thing is I was going to say like, Oh, you've got to see it. And then I thought, no, you don't. What am I talking about? Not at all. You've, there are much more important things to see than Hook. But like my, instinctively, because, you know, we're of the same uh, pop culture generation, um, it's like, it's like, oh, you should see it so that you can f- understand what the rest of us were seeing. It's like, yeah, but we didn't understand what we were seeing. What we were seeing was a bad movie, but we were too young to realize it. And now that I do realize it, like I had like I had a DVD copy in my collection. I, I bought it instinctively without thinking about it. And then I rewatched it and I was like, what am I? why do I own this? So I got rid of it. Uh, like nostalgia was not a good enough reason for me to keep that movie. Yeah. The, the nostalgia doesn't really carry stuff for me. I think that's why, I mean, why I'm so impressed by when I go back and watch this Buster or who framed Roger Rabbit now, like how well they hold up and how, oh boy. They, now they're like totally different movies than they were to me as a six year old. Oh yeah. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Like is something that just like as a movie fan, as an LA resident, uh, and then as, yeah, as someone who just is older now, I watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit and I was like, oh, this is very adult. <laughs> in, 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 but I could, but I still loved it when I was a kid. I just didn't get everything that was happening. Yeah, so, but, uh, anyway, okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, yeah. Listeners do go to more than one lesson.com and check out Bob's, uh, reviews and, uh, check out his Bob awards, uh, that he does every year um, with featuring what I'm going to say is maybe one of the best Photoshop jobs I've ever done. It's, um, I, I, the first time I saw that, I, I laughed hysterically. And then as soon as all my friends saw it, they, they did the same. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty fantastic. I, yeah. uh, pretty neat. I don't remember who that was. I don't know whose body that is. It's probably not that. I mean, you could probably find it pretty easily. I don't know a lot of people wearing white tuxedos. So. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, every time, like, 
it's it's the it's the graphic I use over and over again uh, for the Bob Awards because like why wouldn't I? I think it's something about the hand, the way it's, it's placed and way yeah. it gets me. Yeah, <laughs> my hand, but think about the way it matches to my face is hilarious. Yeah, it's uh, it's like you're saying, behold, like you're about to present like a, a board of the winners and stuff. So anyway, uh, all right, yeah, listeners, you're you're welcome to uh, to email me at tylermorethanonelesson.com. You can. Uh, uh, like us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook at more lessons. Um, are you on Twitter, Bob? I'm not on Twitter. I'm on uh, Facebook and I, I have a very sparingly used Instagram, but yeah, okay. Facebook. Yeah. Well, good for you for avoiding that whole Twitter debacle. Uh, every time I go on and even, and scroll for even 10 seconds, I'm like, why did I do this? Um, I use Twitter to update people on how my workouts are going. And then I just leave, uh, which is best for me. But anyway, uh, but yes, Bob, thank you so much, not just for being on the show today, but also thank you for uh, your contributions to more than one lesson. Uh, uh, we, we really appreciate it. Thank you. So, and uh, thank you everybody for listening and we'll get you next time. Bye.